Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. Last week, we finished our bull bear debate by asking whether, due to the dire predictions of Ray Dalio, Jeremy Grantham, and both William Strauss and Neil Howe in their book, The Fourth Turning, we should sell every stock we own. As Lori mentioned, geopolitical risks do seem to be gaining traction, especially now that Russia's actually invaded Ukraine. And we do believe the situation is more serious than simply being a matter of stretched valuation. However, while we agree with Grantham that a lot of stocks may be overvalued, not everything is. And I certainly don't agree for various reasons with what he recommended instead, and that is emerging markets and what they consider other cheaper alternatives like China and Japan. Well, before I begin, when we're all praying for the lives and well-being of those in harm's way, when human suffering's a reality, it's a little strange to be talking about money and profits, but that's our job. Also, given what we shared in our bull bear debate before either of us convinces our listeners to commit harakiri or liquidate their lifetime savings, we're hoping today to consider what the short-term risks and impact will be of cutting off nearly 40% of Europe's gas and energy supplies and a substantial part of the world's wheat And how long will it take to restore equilibrium? Will it be like 2014 when Russia invaded Crimea? Or 1973 with the Arab oil embargo when we instituted wage and price controls? So the questions about energy, and in particular oil, which has had a critical influence on a lot of the inflationary pressures we've experienced over the past two years. Whether at the pump, to heat or cool our homes, or as a key ingredient in much of what we make and consume. And as oil passes $100 a barrel for Brent and West Texas crude, we ask ourselves how much farther it will go and what we can do to slow or stop its advance. Is, for example, the only cure for high prices going to be high prices? That is, after we reach the point where prices have gone too far and we begin to experience demand destruction? Well, for one thing, Ian Bremer at the Eurasia Group recently said, despite the appearance of closer China-Russia interests, as Russia moved military troops away from the Chinese border to Ukraine, China did make some noise about Russia not abiding by the Minsk Accord, which they'd signed in 2014 with Ukraine and Switzerland. And if China does absorb the extra supply of oil, it's possible they may choose to resell it and thereby maintain demand-supply equilibrium. 
So wait, are you saying they will resell it and thereby take pressure off prices? Or that in doing so, it will minimize any pain Russia might feel from sanctions? Yes and yes. But for now, one of the biggest concerns is how vulnerable Europe is, as they were already facing a slower recovery from the pandemic, and due to their older demographics face even larger concerns surrounding inflation, deflation, and worst of all, stagflation. Also, you asked last week whether China will feel emboldened vis-a-vis Taiwan or threatened from what's going on in Ukraine, because They're still a major exporter to Europe and the U.S., and China's own economy has until recently been weakening as well because of COVID. Where it originated, I'm sorry, whether it originated there or not. (laughs) Well, to begin with, whatever sanctions we levy, whatever pressure we and the EU and now many of our companies who do business there bring to bear, Russia's in a better position to write it out than they were in 2014. And as things stand, as we've said, they can easily ship whatever they'd earmarked for Germany to China. And despite what you just said about the Minsk Accord, at least according to Eunice Yoon on CNBC, China just rejected the term invasion and placed much of the blame for, quote, tensions on an immoral U.S. As I always say, where you sit depends on where you stand. Long term, however, the only thing that would truly make a difference, in my opinion, would be to open the spigot here in the U.S. on exploration and production of fossil fuels, especially natural gas. So we could flood the market with supply and not only lower the price we as Americans pay, but remove any leverage Russia might ever have again in the future. As we once more become energy independent and can afford again to be net exporters after meeting our own need. Also, isn't it true that the fuel we produce is cleaner and less damaging to the environment than that produced by Russia or any other Middle Eastern country for that matter? Maybe. But what is known is that about 90% of emissions come from combustion, not production anyway. So it seems, since it's one planet, instead of shutting down production here and asking them to produce more, We should focus, on the one hand, on carbon capture, and on the other, invest in parallel in alternatives. But that, I'm afraid, is politically untenable to our country's more progressive constituents who already feel the transition to clean energy isn't going fast enough as it is. (sighs) On the other hand, cutting Russia off, in part at least, from SWIFT, that's a pretty bold move. And I'm thrilled to see Germany's finally going along and stepping up to their NATO obligation, agreeing to contribute 2% of their GDP, like they promised years ago. Just seeing their reaction in the ruble dropping more than 30% of the news, that will certainly get Putin's attention. And as tactically brilliant as I think he was when it came to the rebel-controlled regions of Donetsk and Luhansk, he should have stopped there. The folks there were already sympathetic to Russia, and therefore I don't think he would have had to worry about insurgent fighting like they went through in Afghanistan. He was able to do it without loss of life, I believe. And here in America, I think we would actually have been relieved if that's, quote, all he did. He'd already made it clear to NATO and any other country even considering admission to terminate any further talks. But then... 
he decided to go for Kharkiv and Kiev. And that, I think, may prove his undoing. That's why we're always saying that diversification is such an important part of financial planning, along with some degree of hedging, to minimize volatility and downside risk. Over the past month or so, we've noted that there has been a large increase in shorting or selling of U.S. index funds, and along with the price of oil and gas, a rise in energy stocks. This was initially due to the pandemic disruptions, but now it's because of the threat of a large supplier being taken off the market. That fear probably won't go away anytime soon. But now that NATO allies are working together in unison, it will help. Again, we have to ask, have we seen peak inflation yet? Some think so. But as you said, I don't think it will happen until demand softens or it's destroyed. When prices go too high to the point where it breaks the camel's back. In other words, oil may jump another 10, 20% before we're done. But if and when it does, that will also prompt more producers to emerge. And as we hope, there will be an even greater effort to find alternative energy sources and a shift in consumer behavior. But will they dial back on other spending as well and more quickly? Probably. As energy flows into all costs and food prices continue to rise. But historically, these periods have been temporary and relatively short-term in nature. And don't forget precious metals, including Bitcoin, of course. These may rise further as well. And by having exposure to them in our portfolios, it will help offset at least some of the increase in other commodity prices, including oil and gas, on which I think we'll still be dependent for the foreseeable future, for another five or ten years at least, even here in the U.S. That said, this tail risk, if it plays out, will tip the scales and likely lead to slower growth. It could pull forward an economic slowdown or even lead to a recession. And this could potentially show up in a sharper sell-off, both in stocks and bonds. But history again has shown while wars cause both human misery and economic dislocations, the markets ultimately are resilient and have always rebounded over time. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And to the people of Ukraine, we hope by the time this podcast airs, the conflict is over and resolved to your satisfaction. Our thoughts are with you. In the meantime, this is Barnaby Levin and Lori Cammy for the Plutonomics Podcast, signing off. LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, and advisory services through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and any investment opportunities referenced may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced are from sources believed to be reliable, and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management 
LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced, and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth, and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.